Welcome to our listeners. This is the Day in the Life podcast brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation, also known as the IMF. We hope that this Day in the Life podcast will provide inspiration and messages of resilience for patients and caregivers from all walks of life. We recorded the following interview with Mark Ho on April 17, 2020. Mark Ho is a U.S. Marine who served in the war in Iraq from 2002 to 2007. After his service, he's worked as an outreach technician for the VA, serving other veterans. Mark is also a trained boxer and currently has a career as a hip-hop performer, going by the stage name of Baggio. Mark is currently living with multiple myeloma. Listen now to hear the full interview. So, like I said, I listened to a lot of your previous interviews, and um, so thanks for sending those. But for our listeners, a little bit about your history. I understand um, you were in the Mar- U.S. Marines, deployed to Iraq in 2002. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I guess from uh, we can start from there. A real quick from me is I'm Filipino from the Philippines, immigrated when I was four years old here in Los Angeles. And, yeah, one of the things that happened was obviously in our lifetime, you know, big things happened in our lifetime. And one of them was 9-11 happened. And uh, my brother was actually serving in the Marine Corps at that time. I believe at the time he might have been a, a corporal or a sergeant. And I just felt it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to serve and be there because it was a it was a crazy situation, right? I wanted to get into the Marine Corps and try to make a difference. So, yeah, I was joined in um, January 2002 and was deployed during the initial invasion of Iraq. And, yeah, I was a Marine, served in the Marine Corps. And my MOS was 7051, which is Aircraft Rescue Firefighter, a.k.a. Crash Fire Rescue. And I understand well, I, you also have an interesting history from when you left the service. I understand it was around 2007 that you came back to the States and started working in Southern California here as an outreach technician at a vet center. So if you can briefly tell us about that transition you made from um, being an active serviceman to serving your fellow veterans in this sort of counseling type position that you had so when i got out i had issues with uh i ended up getting getting out of sergeant and e5 in the marine corps so you have a little bit of responsibility every time you pick up rank i ended up being like a point man and pretty much in charge of emergencies when things happen so i had issues with a little bit of of just even being in responding to fires and aircraft crashing and not only iraq you know even stuff like that out in the field but i had issues with ptsd Mm -hmm. so I ended up going to a program called the Vet Center, part of the VA. And what they do at the Vet Center, it's a free service all, it's a free service for not only the veterans, active duty and family members, but it's to help them out with as far as readjustment, readjustment counseling for combat veterans, helping out with PTSD, anger management, marriage counseling, social justice counseling, all types of counseling offering on confidential. So I had to go through all that stuff when I got out because I to deal with my issues. And uh, eventually, I kind of uh, was able to deal with it. It's not something like, I guess you could call it like, it's uncurable, right? So PTSD is something that you deal with, you adjust to it, kind of like like our life, like we're doing with with multiple myeloma, we we adjust to it, right? So I was able to readjust to regular normal, normal society, so... Eventually, they hired me to be like a spokesperson to help out with that because I was able to navigate readjusting. So that, that was the main thing. I was hired by the VA. That's excellent. I mean, um, what I found really interesting about your story and what I've heard so far and hope to share with listeners is that you transitioned from being active service to really finding your purpose to serve others. And you continue to do that as a myeloma patient as well. Yeah. And it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience. I loved doing my job. I loved 
going out there helping other people like me get out of that situation or help, help deal with their situations because that's what it's about helping other people out and uh, for our listeners because they're not familiar with your background being diagnosed with myeloma and also nasopharyngeal carcinoma if you could tell us a little bit about a couple of the events I know you talked about a fall that happened and then a subsequent issue at a gym that led you to undergoing blood tests at the VA that helped understand your diagnosis at the time. If you could summarize those two or three events that led up to your diagnosis. So I was working on, a, as a we just been Catholic technician for the VA, I was an outreach worker. I rode around in the bus or an RV that was called the Mobile Vet Center. And me and a counselor on board the vehicle would travel around California, parts of Nevada, even parts of Arizona. And we would set up shop and basically be a big billboard and a mobile office helping people on the spot with helping out with if they had issues or if they needed to have questions about benefits. So I did this job for years. On At that time when I was diagnosed, I did it for about eight years. And um, I walked up and down the vehicle hundreds and hundreds of times. One day I happened to walk into the vehicle and I slipped onto the staircase that you get into the vehicle and I slammed my chest into the staircase. And there's certain things that happened within like these last, you know, within this past decade or even that, like that was like, I did notice like my bones would hurt a certain way I'd, I'd like my ribs would hurt like pretty easily little little indicators that oh it was positive from that even had kidney problems but it, it took a fall into the walking into the rv the steps i slammed my chest in the steps i got back up you know i was more embarrassed than anything but uh, about a week later you know I, I i started feeling that pain really shoot of my back like really bad and i kept on going to the va trying to keep i kept on trying to get checked and uh they couldn't find nothing with the x-rays but there was definitely some kind of pain going on uh eventually as i you you may have known or some of the listeners might know i do music and i do um i perform so one of the things that i was uh tapped to uh do was i was supposed to open up for miss philippines usa back in 2017 in uh, july so having this little, little male ego or whatever you know just to get yourself pumped up for the game right some people do push-ups you know the before the football game or whatever to get get themselves motivated i decided to go to the la fitness and and try to get some kind of like little uh walking done because i was already under physical therapy at that time i couldn't do nothing i couldn't work out i couldn't lift but i was able to do like these little stretchy exercises you know the rubber band and i was going to walk around inside the the la fitness swimming pool because i couldn't really swim at that time because my back hurt so much well, as I walked into the men's locker room to change my shorts to go into the pool, I put my foot up, put my foot down, and I felt this insane pain on my, my right foot and, and, uh, or my foot. And little did I know, like, there was a steroid needle, like, lodged in my foot. And I didn't even know, like, my first thing was, like, oh, did I catch AIDS? Did I catch something, you know, some horrific kind of disease? Because you hear, you read about stories like that, right? Right. And so they said, nope, you better go get, go to the hospital, get, get checked and find out what's going on. So I went to the hospital. They call me down. They say they have sharp accidents all the time at the VA hospital or at any hospital for that matter. And the nurse, uh, Jean, she, she sent me home, did a blood and urinalysis test. But they called me like at 2 o'clock in the morning telling me like, you know, uh, you need to come back in as soon as possible because we found something in your sample. So me being an entertainer and a Marine, I guess, I was like, you know what? I still got to do my show. So I did my shows. And after that, after the show, I went to the, the VA hospital. And that was when my whole life, the whole world changed. When I was diagnosed, you know, I was admitted for 17 days. But the couple of days I was diagnosed, they found the cancers in my, uh, my, my urine samples and blood samples. So, yeah, it was a, it was a game changer. 
So they found the multiple myeloma, and I also understand you had your nose throat biopsy. and Yes, they did an ENT biopsy, bone marrow biopsies, kidney biopsies, PT scan, CT scan, the whole gambit. Now, it took a while for them to find the, the to do the, the ENT biopsy for some reason because they were, it's just a little bit of delay. But yeah, then they found it after the, the kidney biopsy is where they found the multiple myeloma. Now, the ENT biopsy was the second cancer that I got, nasopharyngeal carcinoma. And a lot of this has been connected to your work in crash fire rescue in the service. Exactly. Being a deployed to Iraq and like the ENT, the nasopharyngeal carcinoma cancer, that was more in relation to the burn pits in Iraq. We were burning, burning, you know, the burn pits is what they call it. When, when you're going in, when you're in invasion, which I was in, or when you're in some kind of four operation base, you know, you have to use the bathroom, right? Whether, you know, number two or number one, right? You're using oil drums and you're getting rid of your feet that way if you're not digging a hole in the ground. <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put, paint a picture for you guys to understand what it is, but not get too gruesome. When you move the lo- locations or when you're moving, when you're wrapping up the FOB forward operation base, you have to get rid of all your evidence and everything, basically, when you move because you don't want to make a weird, crazy environment when you're leaving, right? So you burn everything. And fortunately, some of the stuff that we use as far as when you're lighting up the fire or the burn pits, is like you use jet fuel. You know, you use whatever you have on hand to light these fires up. And that's one of the causes of, of the, the cancer, nasopharyngeal carcinoma. Now, the multiple myeloma is from my job as a crash fire rescue specialist. We use foam called AFFF, aqueous film forming foam, to put out fires. So when you're dealing with like when you're a regular firefighter or it's, you're never a regular firefighter, so to speak. But when you're dealing when you're dealing with structural fires, you can burn. It only burns at so many hundred degrees. Structural buildings, fires. But when you're dealing with jet fuel, you're dealing with ammunition. You're feeling you're you're dealing with like these yeah artillery and stuff like that. It burns at thousands of degrees. So you can't just hit it with water because you hit it with water, it just evaporates. You have to use something else. And unfortunately, a triple F aqueous flow forming foam is known to be cancerous. And they're actually pulling it off of military bases and creating different solvents kind of uh, or different suppressants to use instead of that because yeah, it is cancerous, unfortunately. And where you are now um, with the nasal pharyngeal carcinoma, I understand it's in remission? Yes. So we did 50 days of radiation. Uh, it was pretty insane from September to November 16th in 2017. That was the first cancer they wanted to try to tackle first before they they um, took on the big elephant, which is multiple myeloma. So we did 50 days of radiation over that West Los Angeles VA, uh, the VA hospital over there. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty intense. You know, Monday to Friday, everyday radiation. So we put that one through remission. And uh, it looks, when you go through something like that, whether it's radiation or chemotherapy, there are going to be some side effects. So yeah, I, I have a, a few side effects from that. Uh, salivary glands don't work quite as well. My taste, you know, is, isn't there anymore. I have something called a hermit sign, a little pain on my neck, but it's something that I could live with that we learn to, to be resonant with, so to speak. We learn to survive with. So. And with the multiple myeloma, I know you mentioned that you've gone through stem cell transplant. I've done a first, yes, we first started doing chemotherapy. Uh, and then later on, the VA, most of my treatments then at VA Loma Linda. Uh, that's a veteran's, veteran's uh, hospital, and not Loma Linda, the, the, the hospital over there. But actually, my, my doctor, Dr. Finn, who's an amazing, amazing uh, oncologist. She was actually, she went to school at Loma Linda University, but she worked at VA Loma Linda. And yeah, I've done chemotherapy, then the radiation that I spoke of, and then I did a stem cell transplant. 
at VA Puget Sound, Seattle, Washington. And uh, what were the results for you? I understand, are you undergoing any treatments right now? And just dealing with right now, if you are undergoing treatments, how are you coping with that day-to-day or even just with the pandemic and social distancing? So as far as like the, the treatments and how that went about with the, the stem cell transplant, I'm, I'm young. You know, most of us like now, some of us now are getting, you know, multiple myeloma at a younger age, but it's still, you know, young age is still like around the, the late 30s when I was diagnosed. I'm 41 now. The stem cell transplant is the autolytic auto stem cell transplant, so they use my, they utilize my own uh, stem cells. That was a, that was definitely a game changer. You know, um, I was taking 25 milligrams prior to that of Revlimid. Um, when I came back, it wasn't 100% successful. At least that that was what the suggestion was when they did another bone marrow biopsy. I did my fourth bone marrow biopsy, and they found a little bit of a multiple myeloma still. Uh, I think it was at a very low, low percentage. So I was actually very mentally kind of almost like, oh, my God, here we go again. I got to take my – I got to do the bell cage shots every week, and I got to do 25 milligrams of Revlimid, and here we go again, right? And it, it was crazy because I was actually at the VA hospital about to pick – literally about to get get my hands on the Revlimid, and I had walked by Dr. Finn's office the earlier to wave hi to her, and she was on the phone. She kind of waved to me, told me to come back, but I was kind of in a rush to get my medication. And she called me right. I was right as I was getting the Revlimid handed off to me, and she said, "Don't take it. We're not going to put you on on that that dosage. You need to come back in here. We got to talk." I got a hold of Doctor Chauncey, who's the the one that runs VA Puget Sound, Seattle, Washington, and they came into agreement that my multiple myeloma cells were so low that I'm basically. He doesn't believe that it didn't work, the stem cell transplant. That's good news. So they're treating me like I'm in, I'm in remission, and they only put me on five milligrams of Revlimid. So that's what I'm taking for right now for until we find the cure, five milligrams of Revlimid. And it seems to be working. That's great news. Yeah, my, my, my multiple myeloma cells or from my results from my blood test, my lab tests are always low. My white blood cells are good. Occasionally, they will drop, but then I just get off the rhythm for a little bit and they bounce back up in a few days. So yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's like keep on marching on. I'm going to just kind of tie this into something that we've been talking about a lot at the IMF this last year. For Myeloma Action Month, our theme was resilience. And we defined that as the ability to recover from or to be flexible to adapt to new challenges and difficulties. As a person and as a myeloma patient, can you describe what resilience might mean to you? Yeah, resilience means to me just staying there, staying strong, Staying positive, never giving in because it's it's it is a game changer. You know, you some days you wake up and it's like, well, there's not a day that you wake up when you're fighting multiple myeloma that nothing's normal anymore. This is like it's uh, especially like during these times when we're fighting this, you know, the COVID nineteen, right, the coronavirus. It's it's you have to be extra special or extra precautious, and there's a heavy cloud on your head all the time. Like you're wondering if you're going to get sick. You're wondering. If you're gonna, you're wondering if it's your time now. You know, it's, you just got to be strong. You got to be positive. You're here still. And one of the things that have made has made me resilient is the International Myeloma Foundation, the groups that I go to, which is the Upland Myeloma Support Group. There's people in there that I've met, like like Yale, Yale, uh, you know, Carlene Pratt, Eric Wolf. There's people that have survived with multiple myeloma for years. 
And it gives me hope, like younger people like myself hope that, you know what, these people are resonant. They Look at how they're handling it. Their, their stem cell transplant didn't quite work if they got one. Or some of them didn't even get the stem cell transplant. And look at them, they're living life. They're doing amazing. They're, they're you know, they're still working. They're still, some of them are still working. Some of them, you know, I, I'm, unfortunately, my situation is kind of crazy with everything. But yeah, you know, if you could still work, work, you know, you still do what you can and what you what you feel like you're destined to do. And that's what resiliency is to me, is to keep on pressing forward and use that, use whatever's happened to you to uplift others. That's where my resiliency comes from. Because that's what that's how I've seen. You know, people if I didn't run into Carlene Pratt, if I didn't run into the International My Own Foundation, I remember being diagnosed that I was so like not to get too crazy, it was it's it's heartbreaking, you know, like, oh my God, what did I deserve? You know, like okay, yeah, yeah. And it was it was it was a game changer, you know, your life flashes before your eyes. I'm, I had dreams of having like having a, a family, having a home, having, you know, being able to retire one day, all this stuff. You have these dreams. And then like when something like this happens, it changes your life. It's like everything, your, your life literally flashes before your eyes. Like, what did I do wrong? So being resilient is, is finding finding the way to get over that, living, giving, living a new norm, so to speak. And we could we could do it. We could do it. You just got to be positive. You do it every every day. Every one of some of the things that our listeners might not know is that you are a hip hop performer, and I understand you were influenced by hip hop in your youth here in Southern California, and uh, now you go by the name Baggio. And I just wanted to ask, um, when did you adopt that artist name? Why that name? And how have you dedicated more to being um, a hip hop artist in the last few years? I guess you know, growing up in Los Angeles, being a, a they call it Balakbaya, and that means I came from the, the Philippines over here. When I came over here at a young young age, I grew up all over Los Angeles. My thing in the '80s, I'm an '80s baby. I listened to a lot of uh, hip hop, whether it was like Salt and Pepper, you know, they had, and whether it be DJ Quick, you know, Tupac, Ice Cube, all that stuff. I grew up listening to hip hop. That was my form of music, and it's always something that stuck with me when I was growing up in Los Angeles. Even when I was in the Marine Corps, I was still like learning to do, you know doing freestyling and just listening to music all the time. Now, when I got out of the military, it was uh, how I ended up doing it. Is my mom had her 60th birthday party. That looks like about seven, maybe seven, eight years now. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's doing like a little present for her. Like everybody got, my brother was filming a, a music video for her. My sister was doing uh, like poetry for her. Me, I decided to make a, make a song, right? Pen out a song for her. And it was something that just kind of came natural to me for some reason painting our life's history and when i made the song it's called going back by as you mentioned baggio b-a-g-y-o that's me i put this song out and it just caught like when people totally related to, to that song because it's about growing up in um gr- growing up as an immigrant not just an immigrant but growing up as a, in a broken home in a broken family it has vibes of a song called uh, blue by you by linda ronstadt written by roy orbison and people like even people that love that song by Roy Orbison and Liz Ross, that they had no offense to it. They they actually appreciated that my version because it was a true to life version. It gave they paid homage to it. But yeah, that that song popped off. I started getting shows everywhere. Music helped me out through some crazy times. Whether whether it was like the deployments in Iraq or a little history about myself too. I was on the Army Boston team, so I'm one of those. Maybe it's because of the Marine Corps or whatever. Like. Whenever something is about to happen, I I get pretty anxious. My my heart starts pounding pretty quick, and so before a fight, I would have to actively listen to some some classical music to calm myself down <laughs> on a on the CD player. 
to get my calm my heart rate down because they, they have to take your temperature and they have to take your 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 pulse to make before they put you in the ring music does that you know it can motivate you whether like if you're tired you listen to that song i say this you listen to eye of the tiger you're gonna go go for a pretty good run <laughs> while you're while you're listening to that but or if you're feeling bad you know you can listen to like some classical music and you could totally relate to you know the nostalgic part of that portion but yeah music does that stuff and that's what why I kind of got, why I kind of fell in love with music, you know, to change circumstances. Because you're a, you're a hip hop performer and you've done so much with your life. I think some of these quotes will relate to you very well. One of them is from who you mentioned, Yelik Biru, who is an IMF board member, and he's been living with myeloma for about 25 years. One of the things he once said is, we are not our disease. And another myeloma patient, Valerie Trainum, once said, I have myeloma, but myeloma doesn't have me. How do you feel about these two quotes and do they resonate with you? Yes, they definitely resonate with me. That They definitely resonate with me. It's from people like that and people giving those quotes uh, that we get the inspiration from because, yeah, when, when you get diagnosed, it's like it, it, it does it does overwhelm your life. But, yeah, it's like these people like, like Yalik and, and everybody else that are surviving, kicking, kicking butt, you know, it's like it's definitely ins- inspirational. You know, whether whether what they're doing with their life, it doesn't matter. Like, like I just happen to be, this is my school of music. That's what I do, uplift people through music, through whether, like, I, I train people at the boxing gym or I, I do these, I do bike rides, persevering and praying through and through and getting over these obstacles. So, yeah, it, it definitely resonates what they say and what International Model Foundation is about. They give hope. Right. And one of the things we want people who are listening to get out of this is that you have so much more, you have such full lives despite your myeloma diagnosis. As like you said, you're boxing, you're you're doing hip hop. There's so many things that you're doing. You're involved with your family and your community. So uh, I think it's going to give a lot of hope and inspiration to a lot of people. And finally, just to leave off, uh, I understand even though we are in lockdown, you're still performing. And I saw that you have something come up coming up called SoCal Distancing. Yeah, this past, uh, this April 7th, I was actually invited on the wish bus uh, usually this wish bus it runs in los angeles it, it goes to like several stops in los angeles it's just like it's basically like a recording studio on wheels and they they do a live stream all across the world so even at one given time like in one given moment there's hundreds of people watching it and like within a day there's thousands of people that have already viewed it and it's an international thing it's, it's getting pretty big it's been here in los angeles for about a year and a half now and I be, I was tapped to perform there the other day. And how they did it, it's called SoCal Distancing, like you mentioned. Right now, how we're doing it is we're actually, I have a, luckily for me, I have a recording studio upstairs at my house or a mini home studio. Not a recording studio, but, you know, it's set up, right? And uh, I was able to broadcast live to the world, do a performance and uh, talk about not only like my, my, uh, my history and my fight with cancer and, you know, being in the military and all kinds of uh, positive stuff. Yeah, we were able to reach out to people, tell people about like how social, social distancing is a is a good thing that we got to do right now. You know, stay indoors, trying to do nothing too crazy, necessary, unnecessary, right? So, so it was something that I was kind of that. That's positivity brings more positive positivity. That's what I'm seeing. You stay focused, you stay positive, you stay strong. It brings other people in the community to uplift you, and other people reach out to you. To, to promote that. You have an album too? Oh yes, I will have an album coming out. And I'm telling you like, it's uh, well, I recently, like there's a lot of blessings that are happening too. Like 
Like this life, like I was, I don't get me wrong, I loved my job with the best tennis. But this whole, this whole situation, this whole, it's it's not a, it's not a curse. It's like a gift. It's like it, it allowed me to live life on different terms. You know, I wish this would have been recorded. But yeah, but yeah it, it allowed me to live life on different terms. Like now, I get to do my passion. I get to help people out through music, which is my what I see, what what did I love? You know, to inspire people. And yeah, so I got a, a like within last year, I got signed to a record label, Viva Records. I got signed to Viva Records, and now I'm just kind of like, okay, so now I got the the feet to stand on. People are gonna promote me, but it's one of the songs I am working on is called Victory, and it's about the fight. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. So let us know when it comes out because we'll make sure that everybody at the IMF gets a copy. <laughs> I think uh, that pretty much wraps up all the questions I have for you. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to share with people in the myeloma community or just the public at large? The main thing that I guess the thing that I've, I'm getting from this, this fight or from this game changer is you got to stay focused. You got to stay positive, whether it's mentally and physically. Spiritually is another thing that that was is strong with me i want to say thank you for everyone that keeps me in the positive thoughts and all their prayers uh i am a believer i, I appreciate everybody that's been in my corner and i love all y'all i hope i know we can i know we can get through all this craziness that we're going through right now we all just got to be safe we all got to be positive and stay strong and stay uh stay in the fight fight the good fight so i appreciate everybody thank you so much This has been a day in the life with Marco, aka Baggio, brought to you by the International Myeloma Foundation. For more information about multiple myeloma and other patient stories, visit myeloma.org.